Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak. Oh, my God. It's been... <laughs> five weeks and I've already screwed up. Um, yeah. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Here I am. And I got Amanda with me. What's up? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, what's up, Dog Speak Bitches? And I was like, I mean, that's fitting. It's a dog podcast. Um, I think I was going to come out with with what's up, Dog Speak Bitches, because I'm just still hormonal. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've, I've had to take some time off and um, it sucked. And I'm happy to be back, and I don't really have a topic, and I'm counting on you. I got a couple. I got a couple <laughs> we can talk about. But do you, uh, do you understand why the vet insists on crate rest for two weeks after a spay? Look, I don't know. I don't know how dogs actually function after a spay. Um, I know what I was getting into. These poor bitches literally just don't have a clue. Look, y'all, I thought I was just going in because I wasn't a quitter and wouldn't get through menopause, but I actually had endometriosis, which ended up being a very painful kind of thing. And five weeks, I'm still struggling. Um, I'm going on five weeks tomorrow since I've had this surgery. And I have, I thought, you know what? Week three, I'm going to be lifting. I'm going to be lifting light weights again. I'm going to get up and I'm going to move and I'm going to, it's going to be great. And um, it's just been one thing after another. I've ended up in the yard once for a really long time, just not knowing what to expect. So I know there are times I was overdoing it and I can imagine how dogs would overdo it, not understanding what they've gone through. Mm -hmm. um, especially if we give them pain meds, right? Because anytime we give the pain meds, we're like, oh, I feel phenomenal. I can do anything unless it makes you sleepy. So yeah, guys, if you're, when you spay your dog, please just let them rest and baby them and coddle them and, and do all the things like rub their head, call them George, do whatever you have to do. Because I would tell you that if with, without the nursing of Brit, I, I don't know what I would have done. And she's not on the podcast today because well, 
she flew away. I think I, I think I, I think I, I think I, I, think I made her. Someone's like, got to work. Don't give her that. Don't I know, right? That. Someone's got to work. Um, yeah, she's off on a work trip. So I was like, I really need to try to record something um, because I just, I need to work. But I have been working on a new um, trauma presentation. So a new trauma seminar that we'll be putting out there probably in the, you know, end of summer, fall. So that's one thing I've been working on. I worked a little bit on the book. Other than that, I've just been sitting here feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't even drink. Y'all know me. You know, my listeners know me. I Y'all, I went you in five weeks. I, know, I mean, I haven't, I, I know, and I have not drank in like, I didn't drink for like two weeks. And I was so sad last night. I was like, you know what? I feel decent. I'm going to make myself, I'm going to roast me a chicken. I'm going to make me some zucchini. I'm going to be all adult-like because I'm here alone. And I'm going to have a nice glass of wine. I poured my wine after I ate my meal because I didn't have it with it. I don't know. And it sat there for like an hour and I never touched it. And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've I mean, lost at, least know, yeah. at least we know you don't have a problem. No, I definitely <laughs> don't have a problem. And not to mention, I mean, I don't know how much my uterus weighed, but I've lost like five pounds. <laughs> and I don't know how much that is of muscle. But um, y'all, I'm ready to get back to just some normalcy. Because speaking of trauma, I really feel like this has just been a very traumatic experience for me. And um, yeah, I really feel bad for the dogs. You just never think about it unless you go through something like that. You yeah. just don't think about it. You know, these poor dogs don't know what's going on. But yeah, so there you go. That's four minutes of the hell I've been through. And now I'm getting hot flashes from the depths of hell. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I look, I don't know if dogs get hot flashes. I was wondering I that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would tell you that I used to think, oh, hot flashes, just, you just get hot all of a sudden. I'm going to tell you, it is not the same as being hot from the sun. It is literally, it comes from like the depths of your soul and it rushes up to your head and you get flushed and your body just starts breaking out in sweat beads. And then you're like, I'm going to die. I'm literally going to spontaneously combust. And then all of a sudden you go somewhere where it's cool, like a fan, and then you're freezing because all the sweat on you. And so <laughs> literally I could go through 15 temperature changes in five minutes. So yeah, there you go. Oh, now that's five minutes of talking about my shit. <laughs> it felt good to vent right there because I'm sure Britt's tired of me venting. But um, yeah. So if any of my listeners have any great ideas on these hot flashes, uh, yeah, shoot me an email because this bitch needs a little help. <laughs> I tell you, it's been rough. It's been a rough go. Have you ever but, been home that long straight? Like, not, I mean, you didn't no. leave home for a while. Oh no. Yeah. I, um, I was laughing cause I actually did go on a road trip this past weekend. You stayed at the house with the dogs and, and I, I, I didn't really want to go just because I knew I wasn't going to be feeling great. And it was, you know, not comfortable to ride, but I thought, you know what? The sad part is in the last four weeks I've had, and this is again, made me think of dogs. I had, I believe five car rides, <laughs> two car rides were to the doctor. Two car rides were to the emergency room. <laughs> and one car ride was going to celebrate 
my brother-in-law's birthday as a surprise where I sat in a cottage by myself most of the time <laughs> watching softball. Um, so you're so, literally a dog. You were just, I, I feel like I was a dog. I was like, I was taken on this great adventure, but I was crated all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, and Brent would bring me food. You know, it was, it was nice. I would, I would go down and I would like hang out for like an hour. And then I was like, I'm exhausted. I have to go back. And I would slowly go and climb the steps to my little cottage and crawl back into my bed with my pregnancy pillow. And, uh, yeah, I felt like a dog. I was like, no wonder some dogs are like, fuck this car. Every time I go, it's somewhere that's miserable. I'm like, I don't, I, I just, I don't know. It's, and then I have to go to the doctor again this Friday. Um, and I've not been anywhere other than that. I might try to go to the dump tomorrow. I think I might just get really crazy and go to the dump. This, this is where my life is right now, y'all. This is it. So I, I need y'all to help me. Be careful with that heavy lifting. I think I am now past the point where I can now lift normal okay. as long as I'm feeling good. Um, I think, but you know, I'm, I'm trying, but look, <laughs> I, you know what listeners y'all can help me by, if you need a zoom consult, <laughs> now is the time to get it because I am not doing any clients in person right now. Um, I'm probably another week out from that, but I've got all the time in the world <laughs> to do zoom consults with you if you need it. So call now, email, get me, you might see me have a hot flash. You may see me put a sweatshirt on, take a sweatshirt off, you know, die a little bit, but I'm here for you. Be there for me. Be there for me y'all. Come on. <laughs> so there you go. Now we're almost at 10 minutes of me bitching and complaining. Well, I mean, it's going to segue into the first topic we can talk about. I've have a, I have a couple of topics we can talk about. Um, but the first we'll talk about is, have you noticed anything about your dogs, probably more Myers specifically, since he's more yours, um, since you've been home with him 24 seven? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, because I do feel like, I do feel like I'm starting to see a little bit more what his daily activities like and kind of what his ups and downs look like, what his preferences are. Um, he's gotten really kind of needy uh, to where he's, and I'm, I always wanted that. I wanted my dog to be like up my ass, but now he's like really up my ass to where when he asked to go outside to go run and play with Isabella, he goes out, but he turns around immediately. And if I don't follow him outside, he wants to come back in. Mm -hmm. Like he only wants to play when I'm out there. Um, I have noticed that his level of anxiety is at a point that um, just a little bit of what I've been doing with like Soliquin rescue remedy and just safe spaces. It's not cutting it. So definitely have realized he needs some damn meds because, uh, because he's had some moments of um, craziness. And I think the biggest one, Oh, I take that back. I had another ride. So I about, I think it was like, what I know, I was so excited. Three weeks, I think, after two and a half weeks after, we had a little picnic in a town near us, and mm -hmm. it was one of my favorite things to do. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna just get out of this house. Brits, I asked her if she would just drive me. Can we just go and just hang out for just a little bit? Um, and I thought I'm gonna take Myers because he hasn't been anywhere, he hasn't done anything, and his anxiety was through the roof. Like I didn't have the time to 
or I didn't take, I should say, I didn't take the time to, to let him get acclimated and absorb the, the environment. I kind of just, I got him in there a little too quick and he barked at everything. And of course my slow pace of walking, trying to get him out of the environment, cause I couldn't pick him up right. trying to get him out of the environment. I was like, okay. And I was really aggravated with him and, and it really was, it's, I mean, it wasn't his fault. It was me. I was, didn't feel good. I was pushing myself because I was so freaking bored staying in the house because you're right. I am not used to being just isolated like this. Um, I mean, even with damn COVID, I wasn't even sick for that long. And, and I realized that, you know, here I've had him trapped in this house and I haven't done as much with him. I pushed him into this because it's what I wanted to do. And he paid the price. And then ultimately I paid the price because I'm, I was mad, but I was really mad at myself because I knew better. Yeah. I knew better. And, and so I, I did realize that I've got to make a point to work more with him on his trauma that's outside of the house. Cause his little trauma here is one thing, his trauma outside the house. I don't think it's as bad, but, um, but yeah, I realized that I've kind of let him down a little bit. I think that's what I've realized most. I've let him down by not giving him all that he needs. And that's sh shitty, but Hey, but look, that's the well, thing is it happens, right? Yeah. Life happens. But, and he's a happy dog, but what would you say his um, trauma like at home looks like? Cause I was trying to point that out when I was there, I was just there for what, four days. Yeah. And I was like, Nikki says he's anxious and needs to be on it. I think he's fine. I'm like, <laughs> Mr. Myers, he doesn't need meds. And he's like, no, I just need cuddles. I just need shit. Yeah. He's cuddling really well now. Um, so a couple of things that we have noticed with his trauma is one, he's super sound sensitive. So, um, the sound sensitivity it's, it has decreased with the soliloquy. So that has helped his, um, his nervousness with any type of excitement. So May is a major softball time. And I love, love collegiate softball. Um, and that is the one positive of having that surgery is I didn't miss a game because I was able to just lay in bed and watch it. But when I do watch, I'm usually kind of loud. Um, and I get excited, not mad and angry, just excited, especially if a home run or something happens. And as soon as that happens or anything, voice is raised in excitement, he will go to the back door and wants to be let out. And okay. so it's like that security inside the house he didn't, he's not feeling as secure there. Um, and I know it's because my energy, my energy can be up, it can be down. And, and I think that it's going to probably be a little worse as I start to feel better because my energy has been low overall. So I think when I get back to normal, he's going to be like, what the fuck happened? I thought that we, <laughs> what happened here? Um, and then his other issue is he still does not like the smell of smoke. So if somebody's, you know, doing a fire pit, um, if he, you know, smells leaves burning, things like that, that can be a little traumatic for him. And, and it's happened to where we've had windows open and somebody's doing that and that kind of freaks him out because then he has no escape. All right. He's like, I can escape the, the smell outside by coming inside. But if we have windows open and it comes inside, he has no escape and I'm just flooding him with that. So that's had to change a little bit where I don't keep the windows open when I know people are doing those type of things. Um, I try to kind of keep him away from 
windows when, when there's a lot of activity outside because he is very reactive. And I'm guessing he was so good for you because your energy is like a two compared to my like eight. I'm a very like mellow. Yeah. Like, so not I think, real I think you should just take him. I think you should just take <laughs> your dog. And I'm just well, going to go back was, to Rottweilers who can handle my shit. <laughs> it got me thinking about that book, like your dog is your mirror or whatever. And it's, I was like, and I noticed a couple of things with him was like, I'm like, maybe he's mimicking or mirroring. He's definitely seems like a follower. Like he doesn't really care about the cats unless Clark cares about the cats. Then he's like, I'm going to mess him up too. Like, let's go. Like it, they always go together. It's either no one bothers the cat or it's Clark and Myers. Myers yeah. never goes alone. If Clark's dead asleep and the cat walks across the room, no one cares about the cat. Clark's awake. He's like, he looks at Clark and then Clark looks at him and they go like, they're like, we're going to tag team this. And assholes. <laughs> no wonder my cat pissed on my bed. <laughs> and then I did notice the, I, I was talking to someone or something and like got animated or said something loud. And then he did bark. Yep. And I was like, maybe he's just mimicking Nikki yelling. I'm like, because I was like, that's enough. And he's like, okay. And like, stop. And like, he didn't run towards the door. That's why I was like, oh, I don't, I didn't see it. But like you said, I'm, I'm pretty mellow and easygoing. And I didn't yeah, take him I, on an adventure. Yeah. But. I definitely think he does kind of feed off. And Isabella is also a pretty relaxed dog in the house. Yeah. Um, she, he doesn't follow her as much. So like whenever they run out in the backyard, instead of him running with her 80% of the time, he's turning around right now and looking at me like you coming. And as soon as I get out there, he is like at level 10 mm -hmm. and like, he's so, I don't know if he's just overly excited that things are going back to, you know, more normal or if he just has some, some issues, but I know that the, the few explosions that he has had while I've been home, trying to recover that little asshole is getting on some meds because <laughs> I know it can't feel good to be in yeah. where he is. Right. Um, because I, I, I struggle with some anxiety during this process mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel good, you know? And it's like, because for me, I was like, I kept hurting and I, I was not seeing any light at the end of the tunnel. And so that's where that anxiety would kind of kick in of how long is this going to last? You know, when am I going to get through this? What's the pain going to be like? Are things healing, you know, properly? This is, I've never had a surgery like this. I mean, I've had my appendix taken out when I was like in fourth grade mm -hmm. and I stayed three days in the hospital and then whatever. And I've had surgeries, but never anything like this. And I thought, you know what? For me, knowing what's happening, knowing there is at some point going to be the light at the end of the tunnel, that's going to help me stay grounded. But with dogs, they can't think that way, right? Mm -hmm. They just know that I'm feeling this way, but I don't know what to do with it, right? And it kind of goes all back to all that, the trauma that we, that whole trauma series we did. But, um, I mean, he's, I've, I've missed him. I, I love seeing his little goofiness. And um, I do like he has actually slept with me in his crate because he likes to sleep in his crate several mm -hmm. nights. But I've been giving him that option. So mm -hmm. I feel like we're in a good place. Um, I'm just ready to get back to normal to where I can work him to get through some of these other, because he was never a big barker at other dogs. Like he was, and I, this, this, this picnic and it was, I purposely didn't wear anything that said dog speak on it. Um, yeah. Cause I was like, I don't know. I don't know how either one of us are going to do with this. 
So we'll see. So yeah, it's that. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that. And then I was like, I was thinking about this person that I know. And I was like, do you ever just watch someone with their dog and they almost project onto their dog? And this is going to segue. So bear with me. It's going to segue into our next thing, but um, it's like, Oh, you know, the dog's anxious. The dog, Fluffy's anxious. Fluffy's anxious. We're going to like, we need to go do something like Fluffy's anxious. And then you're watching the situation and you're like, the dog is anxious because you're anxious. And so that kind of got me thinking about how often do we not look at ourselves and our dogs are just our mirror. And I was like, you know, I think a lot of people could look at their dogs and be like, how like we forget to look back at ourselves and how like has my actions changed? Have my lifestyle changed? Have I not gone to therapy and really need to go back to therapy? Like, you know, and it's just like before we automatically focus on our dogs, I think sometimes us as dog owners need to take that step back and be like, where am I at? Because we're all guilty of it. (laughs) We're all just like, I don't think your mic's on. You hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, look, I go out of this for five weeks and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, I, I realized that when I took him, I was like, I wasn't in the right headspace. Yeah. I should not have taken him. Um, but that is another thing. It's, it's, I have done some continuing education while I've been down and, and really, studying a lot on co-regulation of making sure that the human and the dog are, are co-regulating. Uh, if we, if we're not regulated, if our emotions aren't regulated, we can't expect our dogs to self-regulate themselves. And, and anytime you have those organisms that are that close together and close knit together, they're going to feed off of each other. The nervous systems will actually talk to each other. So it's like, yeah, if I'm not feeling it, yeah, my dog's going to know that, right? My dog's going to be like, nah, I don't really want to put the harness on and go for a ride because you're not feeling it. Yeah. And, and I think that if, if we can allow dogs to make those choices and to realize they're not prepared, then we need to look at that and go, okay, why are they not prepared to go? Is it something I'm doing? Now I need to look at me and say, okay, am I just being, um, you know, too much for my dog in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Did I have a bad day at work? Did I have, um, you know, did my partner piss me off? And now I'm just going to go walk the dog, right? Because I need to get out of this house. That's not the time to walk your dog. If you need to get out of the house because you're pissed at your partner, right? Your dog is kind of depending on that as that secure attachment to say, hey, I need you to help ground me. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Britt and I have had this conversation is, she grounded me several times during this process of when I was feeling a little panicked. I was not in a, in a good place. I was frustrated. I was short um, just because I'm just, I'm aggravated. Right. And she just knew how to ground me. And so she knew she had to stay in a, in a place, especially when I was at the ER because I didn't know what was going on at the ER and I wasn't getting answers. And it was like a 10 hour visit where I wasn't getting answers, but I was in pain and, and, and things. And so even though she was very nervous too, she stayed in a place where I could match her. Mm -hmm. So she helped me ground instead of 
me looking at her, hoping she's grounding me, and then she's freaking out, and then I'm going to want to help her ground, and now we're just battling each other. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, she was upset. I didn't realize at one moment, like, you know, she was kind of in tears. I didn't know that. Um, but she grounded me. And, and then, you know, the other day she had to get a shot in her eye because she has a thing that she has to get shots in her eye, and, and it was a pretty painful when she came home. And she kind of got a little panicked because of the pain. And I was able in that moment to ground her mm-hmm. by just being there. And I think that when you do have that person that can ground you, and sometimes dogs may find other dogs to be that grounding and that anchor than a human if they don't have a human. I think that's when you see dogs that are more dog-dog then they are dog human because they may maybe not have found a secure attachment in a human mm-hmm. and they're finding that in a dog. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't, I used to say, I don't want a dog to be a security blanket for another dog. And I don't in the long term, but I do want to have those systems of that, of that grounding and that anchoring for those dogs. So it's, it's really important that we as, as, owners. And I feel like right now talking as an owner <laughs> instead of a trainer, because I've kind of been going through it is, is I have to make sure I'm in the right place for him and I'm mm-hmm. in the right place to do what I need to do for him. And if I'm not, then I need to find a way to keep him safe and keep me safe. And, and I've isolated myself quite a bit in my room with my door closed when I need it. Um, just so I don't get aggravated with him because he, he doesn't deserve that. Mm-hmm. Right, because he wants to he wants to jump up um, on the bed. He wants to come give me kisses, but he can't walk on my stomach. <laughs> you know, so I have to kind of understand that he's got he's got some things going. I got some things going, but we got to help each other out. Yeah, and, and and that's I think with every human relationship, dog relationship, we got to have that. Otherwise, yeah. we're not going to be successful in getting through anything. Well, I was listening to a podcast, and Brene Brown was the guest. I love Brene Brown. Um, and she was talking about how she was talking about human relationships and I immediately was like, Oh, well dogs. And, but what she was saying was that she's like the, the idea that marriage is 50, 50, 50 is absolute bullshit. She's like, some days it's 80, 20, 20, some days it's 60, 40, some days it's 20, 20 and you got to figure out what you're going to do. And I was like, and she talked about how her, her and her husband come down and they're like, all right, they come home at night and they're like, all right, I'm batting 20. That's all right. I can pick up your 80 or I'm batting 20. I'm batting 30. What are we going to do? Let's find a plan so that we don't hurt each other. And I was like, that's so applicable to a dog owner, especially those with a service dog or any kind of working dog where service dogs specifically are like, you know, some days it's a 50-50. Some days they have to make that decision to obediently disobey and be the 51% or more. And when you're having that relationship, it's like, you know, there's days where I'm going to be good. Like, like you may not even need that dog with you, so you can give him an off day. But then there's going to be other days where you're awful and that dog is going to be with you every step of the way. And then there's days where, like, you can tell your dog is not batting 100 or they may not even be batting 50 and you're not batting 50 and now what? So what are you going to do so that your dog isn't going to be forced to work, become anxious, resent you, and then need to 
be retired early or miss an alert or someone gets hurt or you, the dog missteps and then you get really angry at the dog. And then it's like, no one wins in that situation. (laughs) But then it also like with pet dogs, I'm like, how often do we come home exhausted from the day? And our, our dog's like, I'm batting 20, meaning like, you know, it stormed while you were gone. I'm an anxious mess. I'm sorry I pooped on the living room floor because it thundered loud. And you just come home and you're just pissed at your dog, right? And it's like, no one wins when you can't each give the percentage to 100. So what are you going to do? Well, maybe it's a little bit of grace, (laughs) snuggles, and a hefty dose of CBD for everyone. Like, right? you know, and so it's like, we need to like, check ourselves as far as like that relationship goes. And you know, we're not always going to be 50, 50. And the, and that also makes me think like a lot of people get dogs to be that constant companion. You know, you come home from work, like what if your dog is like, okay, like I don't really want to snuggle you tonight. Like how many people get pissed and they just pull their dog up, especially little dogs and force it to snuggle all that's, the time. That's not good. Like, <laughs> please don't no. do that. And, yeah. it's, and so it, it's like, yeah. They're replacing, they're using a dog to replace what they're missing. And, and I love that you brought her up. I didn't recognize her name. I just sent that video to Britt yesterday. Yeah. I saw it on, uh, I think, TikTok or something, because God knows. I, I might have sent it to you. I think I might have sent it to you. No, you didn't send it to me. I actually found it. And I was like, this okay. is a great idea for our relationship. Mm-hmm. And and so, but you're right. It's like when our dog is not at that 50 maybe not even at that 30, when we come home and we're not, you know, giving them that support, whether we can or not. I mean, I think as humans, we can do a good job at saying, hey, I'm not having a great day, right? I'm going to need you to pick up the slack. Dogs just can't do it. Right. You can't come home and be like, I need you to fulfill 60% of me today. The dog's going to be like, I need you to feed me dinner and I might sit next to you. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I think that if, if and, it's, and you're right with small dogs, people are always constantly picking them up, picking them up, picking them up. And then they wonder why eventually the dog won't let them pick them up, growl when they pick them up, run when they try to pick them up, right? Because they're, they're invading that space. And it's like, we've got to find that consensual relationship of when it's okay, because I want to be able to tell him, yes, you can lay on me or no, you can't. I do it with the cats, Mm -hmm. Um, especially now because they want to lay where they cannot lay right now. And I have to say, okay, right now is not a good time. And so I try to make other arrangements for that. Or if I know I don't have the ability, I'll just shut myself in a room right Mm -hmm. now, right? Give them something else to do. They, They do have other things to do, but I think we do need to be so much more aware of, of, what we're doing. And and I know a lot of people say, I know it's not training the dog. It's training me and the human, but we're not trying to teach people how to be dog trainers, right? right? We're not saying I need you. I want you to go teach this, this, and this, and this. What I do want is I want you to learn how to be a true partner in this relationship that your dog didn't have a choice about, right? They didn't choose you. You chose them. You can believe they chose you, and that's fine. I'm not going to break your heart on that one. But, <laughs> you know, but I think that we choose what we want. We got to learn to adjust our expectations. Yeah. Um, and, and that that is so huge. And understanding that it's a process. It's, you know, dogs are not going to mature to 18 to 24 months. Their brain is not fully developed. I mean, look at humans. Our brain's not developed until 25. 
and some men I know not till 35. Um, but some ever, but some ever, some are just never make it. But it's like we've got to start taking some responsibility of changing our behavior and being aware of our behavior. And and through that trauma series and then just even the more stuff I've been doing with trauma, it's it's going to be 80 percent on the human. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to have to change the human's behavior and, and to teach them to understand you know, this will, the, the presentation I'm putting together is going to be probably one of the most boring ones I've ever put together because I don't have a ton of video because it's about people. I want people to understand what your dog's going through and that mm-hmm. this is not a training. We're not training your dog through trauma. There is no training through trauma. You know, yeah. most training causes trauma when you're looking <laughs> at aversive techniques, but it's like we, we, it's, it's going to take some time. And I think that's why I've started to change my thought process to, I don't want people to go, I don't want people to train their dogs. I want people to raise their dogs, Mm -hmm. right? Raise them, don't train them. Mm -hmm. And if we can start thinking of it that way, I think it can help us start to change that expectation and getting away from obedience, 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 which obedience doesn't fix 80% of the problems that dogs have. Obedience does nothing for it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it has to be, the humans do have to be aware of it. And, you know, and sometimes that's take a drive around the block, right? Get out of your car and, and, and walk two houses down and back before going in the house, right? Sit in the car and listen to your favorite song. Um, don't get out of the car as soon as you get home. If you need that extra mil- you know, a few minutes, I know your dog's excited, but trust me, your dog would rather you come in happy to see them than coming in pissed off. Mm-hmm. Because I grew up with a mother that I never knew what her mood was when she was going to walk through that door. And so when that car pulled in, I was like, I don't know what version I'm going to get today. You know, mm-hmm. am I a good girl today or <laughs> did I not do something right? Or is, is yeah. she just in a bad mood? Right. Yeah. Am I going to be in trouble for something? So, yeah, I, I really think that we've got to stop putting all the responsibility on the dogs and really start taking more responsibility for us um, and what we bring to the to the table. Yeah. Yeah. And that another, this podcast is great. I'm going to share the link with you, but uh, another thing she talked about was obedience versus decision-making. And I was like, this is exactly like dogs too. But she was talking about how um, in their family, um, they don't watch R rated movies. And that's just something that they have instilled in their values and blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's not done out of, like, there's no consequences. Like she's like, my son could go to his friend's house and watch an R rated movie. And I would never know, but that's like me trusting him that I've raised him in a way to make decisions that he will be proud of. Like not necessarily her, but him. And she got a call from a parent that his, her son went to their house and She's like, I just wanted to call and tell you that we wanted to watch this movie. It was rated R. And your son was like, you know, like, I just, I don't really want to watch that. I don't think my parents would really approve of that. So I'm just, I, I can we pick something else? And she's like, as a parent, like, at that point, that like, you win. That's what you want. And that's essentially what you want from your dogs, too. Like, you want them to be able to go out in public and make the decision to not pick up the dead mouse on the sidewalk. Like, it's not that we don't want you to have fun. It's that we just, we want to raise you to make the good decisions. And, but then with that comes to my next point about communication and communicating with your dogs. And I feel like 
as we transition from a world of the adversive techniques to positive techniques, it's, uh, it's just, you're gonna find that people are going from telling their dogs what to do to communicating needs. And when you communicate needs, everyone wins. And it's like, if your dog goes and does something or doesn't do something, it's like, well, did you ask that of them? Like if your dog doesn't automatically do what you think you want it to do, like the dog can't read your mind. And unless it's an instilled habit, like threshold control, it's not just going to read your mind. And so then it's like, you can't get mad at your dog for doing something. If you didn't explicitly tell him not to do that or to do something else. And so I was, I was having a conversation with my dad about how I would like overly talk to Clark. Like I'm like, whoever thinks that dogs don't understand vocab, like they need to check themselves because I remember specifically, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a training class, a dog speed group class we were in. And I was like, I was talking to him. I was telling him what we're going to do. I'm like, okay, we're going to go on this walk. You're going to stay right by me. If you're a good boy, you get a snack and we're going to go around the tree and we're going to come back and then have another snack. And then you get to play. Okay. Ready? Let's go. And you were like, what are you? I was like, I'm giving him his pet dog, letting him know what we're doing. And you kind of called me out. You're like, he should just do it. And I was like, no, I'm going to give him a heads up of, of what is expected. You know, if he can have a free for all, because that's what we were really working on was like the permission to go play. And then mm-hmm. they need to stay with us on a loose leash and then give him play time. And I'm like, if I'm going to let him do whatever he wants after this, I'm going to let him know that he needs to follow me now and then he can have playtime. And so then I was like, okay, well, and he did it beautifully. And then I was like, watch, I'll show you. And I didn't tell him what we were doing next. And he was a mess. <laughs> and then, and you're like, what the hell? And so then I gave him another pep talk, you know, told him explicit explanation. And like, maybe it was just me or maybe that was just getting him really engaged. But, and then he performed perfectly. But I am, I truly believe that they know because he, was at the counter. My dad was making a grilled cheese sandwich. This is why it came up. He's making a grilled cheese sandwich. Clark loves cheese and butter. He's a whore for both of them. <laughs> and he doesn't counter surf. He won't try to lick it, but he'll put his nose right on the counter, right? And just stand there. Like, please give me some cheese. Like, that's his limit, right? And I told him, I was like, buddy, that's not appropriate right now. If you want a piece of cheese, you're going to have to go to your place and wait for it. And he looked at me and he looked at the cheese and he looked at his place and he went and he sat down in his place. And my dad was like, excuse me. <laughs> like you didn't even listen that well growing up. <laughs> I was like, he, he clearly wants something, but that's not appropriate. And instead of being like back up like that, like instead of just getting mad and yeah. saying, stop, like, Let's help you out. Like, let's talk through this. I would prefer this behavior. And then you can have the cheese. But yeah. it it was just, it's communication. And I was like, so many people have issues with communication with people. I like, and then I'm like, no wonder they yell at their dogs and immediately go to shock collars. They probably want to shock your kids too. Oh, that's terrible. I shouldn't say that. But like, if they did. <laughs> 
you know, well, you're right. If you can't now not spanking our kids, like we're just right. now not spanking them. Like, right. But you're okay with spanking your dog. Yeah. It's like, we have problems communicating with people that speak the same language as us that, that has the same developmental abilities. And, and, but we expect these dogs to just be like, do as I say now. And it's funny because I used to be like, except with my own dogs, don't overly talk, just let them know what you need. Right. And I have changed with that, especially with Myers. But I remember even doing that back with my Roddies because my Roddies were just, my God, I freaking <laughs> love my Roddies. I just remember one time when I had my facility and I had both my Roddies were standing there, Tiba and Trace. And Trace was the older one. And I just remember I had a couple come in to talk to me about their dog and Trace was just wanting to bark. And, um, which she didn't really do a lot of. And so I just had to excuse myself, said, excuse me one minute. And I just looked at my dog and I said, Trace, if you can't act like someone, you need to go into the other room until you can. And she stopped barking. She looked at me and then she walked away and went to the other room. <laughs> and she came back in a couple of minutes and she was better. And at that moment, the clients were like, okay, we're hiring you for sure. But it's like, right. I didn't teach others that. And I think it was because I was afraid they would they would take it to where they're constantly talking, but never really putting cues in yeah. and never really giving clear communication because let's, let's be real. The English language alone is confusing yeah. when we have one word that means 14 different things. Right. Um, but it's, I, it, well, I do like to tell people, I like to, to say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what's going to happen. And I started doing that more with Myers and, and I've seen myself evolve to be a better communicator, not just with dog language, but just more in everyday kind of, this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's funny because, uh, Kim Brophy, who's been on here before and, and love her, she's coming back. We're going to record in July because she and I are really similar in that aspect of the way we used to train and the way we're bringing up puppies now. Cause she has a new dog. who's like 120 pound, nine, 10, 11 month old. Right. And I have a 20 pound, 18, 19 month old, but it's funny because we don't, do a lot of commands. I don't do a lot of commands with Myers. You probably didn't do a lot of commands with him when you were here, um, mm -hmm. but you had conversation with him. Yeah. And, and it's funny how I've started to change that way. And um, I like it because I don't want to be a dictator. I'd much yeah. rather just have that relationship and, and say here, let me help you navigate this world and let me communicate to you what we have going on and what's happening. Um, and even if he doesn't understand just by my explanation, if he doesn't understand some of those words, I think just the, this tone of my voice, when I am explaining something, it can easily bring down that anxiety and that nervousness mm -hmm. to where he's like, okay, I don't know exactly what you're saying, but it sounds soothing to me. You know, and if you can imagine someone in a different language speaking to you in a soothing voice, you're going to be like, huh, I feel better now. Even though they maybe, but I feel better. Yeah, I don't know what you're saying. You probably told me to fuck off. I don't know, but I just feel good. I feel relaxed now. So I do. Yeah. I think that we do need to communicate more to our dogs. And and even some of those times where I've looked at him, I'm like, I know, buddy. I know you want to lay with me, and I know you want to lay on my stomach, but you can't because Mama hurts right now. But Mama loves you, and you can lay right here. And he just looks at me, and he just plops down, and he's held my hand a lot, and it's really <laughs> cute. Um, but I agree. Yeah, I think that we do need to communicate because when we communicate we can help redirect the behavior without getting mad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's instead of being like, he knows better than to counter surf. 
Does he? Does he really? Is he doing it just to be an asshole? Or because it works. It works. It it works. I've gotten a stick of butter off there, right? It works. Right. 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 You You can't be okay with it once and mad at it 10 times. Exactly. Like, that's yeah. and that's again clear communication clear boundaries and if you find that that's struggling with your dog check yourself with humans like check yourself check yourself check yourself and and truly learning to communicate even better with Brett mm-hmm. has helped me to communicate better with Myers mm-hmm. um Because I used to think, well, if it's my partner and my best friend, they should know what I need. They should know what I want. You know, I was in that aspect of they should know, right? Because that's probably my generation. I don't know. Because it wasn't talked about a lot growing up. And now I'm like, I need this from you. Um, I don't have to wait for her to ask me, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. And and even yesterday, not yesterday, it was I think Monday, I was really surprised at myself because when she was kind of having her little panic moment, I was trying to soothe her. And I was like, can you just breathe for me? Just breathe. And it just made her cry even more. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to shut up now. And so I just took it as, okay, she's not like me. So I'll wait. I'm just going to be here. And then I asked her later in the evening, I'm like, you know, what can I do to help support you in that moment? Because what I think I should do was not working for her, right? It did not work for her. And she was like, just being there and and just having that touch is that grounding aspect Mm -hmm. of it. So I think that when we give even people ideas of this is what you need to do to help your dog, I think that as humans, they need to look at their dog and go, what does my dog really need, right? Mm -hmm. If your dog is scared, do they want to be cuddled or would they feel better being under a blanket in another room, Mm -hmm. right? We have to look at them and say, what works for you? And and I think that just takes time for us to get to know the dog and say, okay, trial and error, Mm -hmm. right? Trial and error. I I tried to get Britt to breathe. She just cried harder. I was a failure. Um, But I knew I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'll just be here and then I'll talk later. Obviously, we can't ask our dogs, right? What makes you feel better? But through trial and error, we can absolutely work on that. And I think that the old saying of don't, don't comfort, you know, a a scared dog because you'll reinforce that fear. You can't reinforce that emotion um, of fear because it's not really a choice that they're making. We do need to coddle them. We do need to comfort them if that's what they need. If they don't need coddling, because, you know, you're not a touchy feely person, right? Mm -hmm. So there are some dogs that are not going to be a touchy feely dog, Right. what way is better to handle them? And, and, and it's not a reflection on us. It's not a reflection on how good of our relationship is. It's a reflection on, do we really understand our dog and are we giving them what they need? Not what we think they need. So yeah. it's, a, yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm starting to figure out the dog training is just making me a better human. Yeah. yeah. I mean, dog behavior is making me a better human. Um, and the more I study, the more I hate dog videos, um, <laughs> the more I hate the funny videos people think are funny. And I'm, you know, watching this dog running with his tail tucked because the flexi lead is chasing him and people are laughing about it. And I'm like, do you know what kind of trauma that dog is having right now? I mean, this is not, it's not fun anymore. So I watch cat videos. And that makes me laugh because I don't know enough about cat behavior. Hence the reason I guess my cat pissed on my bed. Um, <laughs> 
but I'm going to have Daniel Shaw on who's a cat behaviorist and a dog behaviorist. Nice. Um, here we're just, I think we're recording in a couple weeks actually. So maybe I should ask him about that. Um, but yeah, I think that it's, it just, again, it goes back to making sure that we look in the mirror at ourselves and say, if my dog is going to mirror me, what's the best version of myself I can give them. And you may not can give that best version every day, but you can damn try your best. Yeah. Right. Put enough in the bank account. So those days that you only have that 20, they're not going to hold it against you. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That was good. Okay. I don't really have a way to segue into this last point that I was going to bring up, but All right. kind of a fun, a fun point. I mean, we can kind of circle back to the beginning where we were talking about, you know, what really is the problem if there's a problem present. Um, but it was something that came up with Clark recently and it's, the topic I've written down is digging deeper into medical concerns or conditions. Um, and I feel like um, right now it seems like everyone's trying to just use the Band-Aid diagnosis and treatment for either allergies or anxiety. Um, and it's one very prominent one is like paw licking. Like, oh, they just have allergies. Oh, they're just anxious. Um, Mady, who's my parents' dog, she had brown pink paws because she licked so much. Well, she has an oral fixation, so she just needs to relieve that. But she also was on a diet that wasn't benefiting her gut health. And she had an appointment with Dr. North and got on different food, got her doing enrichment every meal. And, um, you know, half her calories are Dr. Harvey's fresh food and half of them are kibble just so she can do that enrichment game and everything. Um, and in three months she has white feet again. So it's like she could have easily just been given anxiety meds or in the past before my parents got her, she was put on Apoquil for long-term, which it should never be long-term. Apoquil nope. should only be short-term. Um, but she was put on Apoquil long-term and then, of course, when she came off of it, her symptoms did not increase or decrease. They stayed the same. Um, and so that was just that's just one where I was like, you know, it, it wasn't anxiety. It was I mean, maybe she had a touch of anxiety because her gut health was out of whack. Um, but it, we never put her on anxiety meds because we're like, let's let's really figure out what's going on here. Because uh, mm -hmm. she didn't really have any other sign of anxiety in the home or like a chronic state of anxiety. Um, but then the most recent interesting one was Clark um, developed this issue, I'll call it, when he goes to the groomer, he will be extremely itchy for four to five days afterwards. We tried every shampoo. I mean, every shampoo there is. Holistic, honey-based, hypoallergenic, cheap stuff, expensive stuff, like all of it. Every, every time I'd bring a bottle to Kira and be like, try this, try this, try this. We're like, well, maybe if he's a fire dog, maybe it's the heat from the water, bathe him in cold water. That sounds terrible, but like bathe him in cold water. That seemed to help a little bit, but still not really. Um, and then it was bathe him in this medicated shampoo. And then it, and I'm like, none of this is making a difference. Like what is going on? 
So for a while, the vet was like, just, you know, give him two Benadryl morning and night until it subsides. Well, I don't really love doping my dog up on Benadryl. I know in humans, there's a link between Benadryl and Alzheimer's long-term use. So I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Um, and then it was to the point where he was so itchy one time that he made himself bleed a little bit and then he was scabby and then he's more itchy. And so then it's like, okay, well, here's a short-term dose of Apoquil. See if this helps. And I was like, oh, I just really don't want to do that. So thankfully he had, it usually time his acupuncture a couple days or the day of a grooming. So he, I was like, let's try this acupuncture. And if that shows no improvement, then I'll start the Abiquil, do a short-term dose. Thinking that he's having an allergic reaction to either chlorine in the water or shampoo, whatever. And it's a different kind of itching that he does. It's not like your typical, oh, I'm just going to scratch a little bit and then I'm going to walk away. Like he'll sit down really hard and just scratch aggressively at his spinal erector muscles. So all those muscles along his spine or on his neck. And to the point where he's doing like uh, quick licks. So it's got to be painful. I was like, that looks painful. Mm -hmm. That's not a relieving itch. That's this hurts itch. Well, through my physical therapy for dogs schooling, I was like, you know what? Let's, let's rub it. And he had some trigger points along those. And so this last time he got groomed, I was like, okay, we're going to try the CBD route. Maybe he just gets anxious Mm -hmm. and he's tense and then his muscles are tense and maybe he just needs to be calm. Doped him up on CBD before, gave him a dose that night. He slept fine. I was like, okay, maybe this was it. Well, then the next morning he's itching, itching, itching. And I was like, dang it. So I have him come over and I'm like, I'm sorry. You're so itchy, scritchy. Let me give you some rubbings. <laughs> and it's like seven o'clock in the morning, right? I am not a morning person. I'm just like, can you please just go back to bed? Right. Yep. But it's never the case. So I'm just like, all right. So I'm scratching him and he's like twitching and his, I'm like, your muscles are not like you have trigger points in your muscles. So I'm like doing deep trigger point release massage all the way down his spine, both sides. And he, every once in a while would do a little quick lick. So then I'd stay on that spot. And as long as he didn't progress in his signals and it was only the quick licks that he was doing, I'm like, okay, this is the spot. And then keep going, keep going, you know, hit another spot, keep going. Then I was like, is that better? You won't come back to bed. He hopped back up in bed, crawled and went right to sleep. And so then he had acupuncture later that day and that took away most of his twitching after that, that I couldn't relieve because the needles go in and also helped his liver chi. Um, and Dr. North and I kind of, I told all this to her and we kind of just determined, we think that he's having a hypersensitivity pain reaction to the vibration of the clippers. And that can happen in humans too. Um, where if you, if your body interprets light touch, not like it should, You can like brush something on your neck or have, you know, a swimsuit tied around your neck and it'll cause like severe chronic pain. And um, so we think that's kind of what's going on. And I was like, I'm so glad that I didn't just put him on Apoquil or 
continued to just be like, well, I'll just dope him up on Benadryl every time. Like we just, we really dug deep and it's been months in the process of figuring out trout. Like, what are we going to do? Like, I, I was really thinking maybe it was environmental. Maybe it's the water in Dixon. I don't know. And so you I, can blame my County. Go ahead. Blame my <laughs> county. But I was I blamed just like, them all growing up. I don't know. I was just like, I don't know. Like this, this can't be, this is weird. Like, I just feel like it, he wasn't red. That was the other key thing was, yeah. you know, you're looking for horses, not zebras when you're trying to diagnose something. And then it's once you start looking at things and putting A and B together, it's like, yeah, he's itchy, but he had no signs of allergy itching. There was no redness on his skin. There was one time where he was itching his neck and we suspected his collar was um, damp and never fully dried. So he did smell a little yeasty, but that got under control and it was like, okay, well, his whole body is not yeasty. So um, but even after that, like always get a report from the groomer, none of his skin is red, so he shouldn't be itchy. And then he's a mess. And it's like, so it's not allergies. What yeah. is, it? and so we're going to try the trigger point massage before and after and acupuncture always after a groom. And if that's still miserable for him, she suggested a low dose gabapentin before a groom to kind of calm the nervous system down and then hopefully that'll prevent it. And I was like, that's who would have guessed severe itching Gavin. Like, right. Not exactly. to say that that's what everyone should do, but it's like, I, you would have never thought like I would have just put my, like back in the day would just put our dogs on Apple code, called it good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I still get clients that have that. I had a client whose dog had um, bitten or snapped at, um, a worker at a facility and what I was hearing was pain and discomfort yeah. and come to find out the dog had been on Apoquil for years and, oh. and still having flare ups. And I'm like, your dog doesn't have a behavior problem. I don't need to come teach your dog to go in and out of a room without biting someone. You <laughs> need to go see Dr. North. You need to get off the Apoquil. We need to change food. We need to find out what's going on because that's where your behavior is coming from. Mm-hmm. Anytime I'm looking at that, it's I'm always looking at that that underlying root cause of that behavior. I take everything as those little symptoms and signs. It's like you're saying, you know, he's itching, but his skin's not red. Okay, that's gonna that tells me, all right, maybe it's something a little bit deeper. It's not on the mm-hmm. surface. There's something deeper. Um, and I think that we need to do a better job to advocate for our pets because not every veterinarian is going to know to look beyond that. They're kind of in a box, uh, just like your general practitioners in a box. You know, if you want to, you know, I wasn't, I didn't go get spayed by an orthopedic surgeon. You know, right. I went to someone who specializes in this. And so I think we need to do a better job at advocating for our dogs and saying, look, this is not getting better and stop this let's just throw these meds at them and throw these meds at them and throw these meds at them. And it, and even like when I'm talking like with Myers, it's taking me a long time to decide to do mm-hmm. um, the medication. I'm going to do Clomacalm because it's good for sound sensitivity. Um, and it's just good for overall reactivity and, and anxiety. And, and I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try all these things and try to get to that root cause. But I think for him, he just, his developmental phases were, filled with trauma. His, his mother was filled with trauma. So it's, it's in, it's ingrained in his system and in his neurons. 
And I got to find a way to help calm that in right. order to teach them how to kind of deal with these things. And I, I think that people really need to understand that this is why it's not a good idea to say, okay, my dog's having this problem. I'm going to send them off to train and do board and train and, and they're going to come back and they're going to be better. Well, mm -hmm. if you don't get to that underlying issue, you've only caused probably more trauma by sending them off and the type of training that's usually done. And then we're still not dealing with the underlying, you know, issue of way, whether it's gut health, whether it's pain. Um, I had a client many years ago whose dog would bite when they were in the bed. And if they moved, um, the dog would bite. And, and I'm not talking just small nips. I'm talking this. I mean, it was a small dog, thank goodness, but it was biting. <laughs> yeah. And so one of the things I did was um, I just kind of manipulated along the back and just kind of was petting on the dog. And, and I was seeing all these twitches. I'm like, you need to take this dog to um, a spinal, a vet who does spinal manipulation um, said, because I think that's why the biting's happening. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, this dog was so out of whack even it's a, as a small dog, but think about small dogs who are jumping on and off big pieces of furniture. They are definitely a lot more likely to have some pain in there and, and not just simple pain, but it's showing studies that dogs can suffer from arthritis from a very early age. Clark and has it at four. Yeah. I, I had my first bout of, of, um, at 48, I had my first bout of arthritis. Um, and it's been bothering me all week. It's my pinky finger that I'm sure I dislocated many times playing sports. And now right at the knuckle, it's like that hurts. And you don't feel good. Your your temperament is definitely going to be not as good. <laughs> it's going to be, you're going to be short. You're not going to have the tolerance. You're not going to have the ability to bounce back from stress as easily. And, and a lot of these dogs, they just, if they've been in pain or have bad gut health from the get go, they've never learned how to bounce back from stress. Right. And, and yeah, we definitely have to start looking deeper at things and, and get to the root cause, but we have to learn to advocate, 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 and don't stop at answers of, well, just put them on Apoquil. Well, just put them on Rimadil. Well, just put them on Fluoxetine. Um, you know, we'll just put them on Clomacom. Well, that's great, but but we've got to have some type of plan with yeah. that. Great. And in the short term, how are we going to yeah. plan? Yeah, and and I'm and I'm hoping that with like Clomacom with him, I don't have to keep it on him forever. Mm -hmm. um, but I need a boost to help, kind of hopefully rewire some of that to help him deal with that overstimulation because it, his it, yeah, he and I just I think we are the same person. Um, we get, uh, we love stimulation and, and excitement and we get excited with it. Um, I, yeah, like when I feel good and I go out, I'm going to be the loudest one in the public because I've not been out and I'm going to be mm -hmm. overwhelmed and it's going to be great. Not for, people, <laughs> not for the people that are around me, but for me, it's going to be great. Um, so yeah, I, I just think that we need to definitely look, look deeper guys, look deeper. And if you're not sure, that's what the zoom consults are for me. Right. You, you call me, we get a zoom going. I ask all these questions and trust me, I can make a lot of changes going to help your dog by just talking to you. Um, cause I, it's just, we got to look deeper, not just yeah. at that behavior. So, um, I'm glad you finally figured out though, what was going with Clark. Cause I know we've talked about it several times with him. Um, I mean, I'm sure that water can play a part to that. Right. Yeah. And I do like, I do know that he has environmental allergies and one thing that came up was chlorine in the water. So that's why I didn't automatically say, well, it's not the water. I'm like, it could be part of it. Mm -hmm. 
he could just have dry skin. I don't know, but I was like, when you look at it, it's, yeah, it's a combination of things. Yeah. Those little stressors can create a bigger kind of explosion. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that also comes from my background of being from a medical field where we are very holistic, meaning not like woo woo hippie holistic, but like holistic in looking at the body from a whole picture versus here's your pain. Let's treat the pain. Like here's your pain. It could be from multiple sources. It could be, I mean, you could have knee pain that's actually from your pelvic floor. Like, I mean, it can be anything. So I'm constantly checking and it could be back pain and people come in. I see so many people for back pain and it's okay. We end up having some sort of heart to heart about what's your trauma. Like what kind of trauma, like how do you hold stress? Do you have sexual trauma? Do you have emotional trauma? Like what's going on? Um, and then release that. And then it becomes a little mini cry session for the, and it's great. And then they're like, Oh my God, my back pain feels so much better, but it's like, you know, there's, there's more than just one thing causing an issue. And that's why I was like, I'm not just going to try to fix this with one thing. I'm not just going to throw pills at my dog. Cause I don't exactly. do that with myself or any one that I treat. So. Exactly. And that's why I think that's why we need to get Dr. North back on here. <laughs> I have a deeper conversation about, about this. Um, Cause I just, I think a lot of people think it's kind of new age. And it's not. This Chinese medicine has been around for centuries and 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 it it works. It works. And you know, I, I like what I hear about vet care is sick care. Like veterinarians are for sick care. You want to go to the holistic veterinarian for health care. Yeah. Right. And um and I think that if we really look at those health issues, and it's like I, I talked to a client yesterday who rescued this dog who was picked up at six months, was a year um, in the shelter, and then was been with them for six months. And it's showing some resource guarding issues, some behavioral issues. But it's like, all right, yeah, there's there may be some issues there, but let's go back and look at this dog's life, right? Gut health is not good. He doesn't eat regularly. You're feeding him once a day. Right. Um, you know, he he's never had the opportunity to, you know, he's been confined for a year, right? He doesn't know how to deal with this world. The world he dealt with was free roaming and now he was confined and now you got him in this house with, you know, people. And it's like when people start to understand that, I think they are going to have a lot more empathy and understand that there's, there's no time frame on fixing trauma and fixing behavior. It's each dog's individual. You can't just say, I'm going to do four sessions and this is done because I think a lot of people are like, well, I tried Apoquil and it didn't work. So we're going to do this. Well, I tried your training. So I'm going to go do this. Right. I had a client who I was really trying to work with this trauma and she just finally had had enough and went and put the shot collar on the dog. And now I see her recommending that trainer who uses shot collars on all the local pages to say, hey, it fixed my dog. No, it didn't fix your dog. You shut suppressed all the behavior, shut them down, right. and the underlying trauma is still not dealt with. Mm-hmm. So congratulations. Good job. And, you know, and it's it's very frustrating, um, especially when you look at, like, these Facebook pages and these, uh, you know, town, city groups, and people are always asking for dog trainers, and 80% of the trainers r- recommended are using aversive techniques. Mm-hmm. But, you know, nobody's, and then you look at comments and this is even true on some of my professional pages that I follow and join. 
that somebody will come up with a problem and people are immediately giving training advice on how to fix it. And I'm coming in going, what's your dog eating? What type of enrichment are you doing for your dog? You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, did your dog have any health issues? Is there pain? Has there been injuries? You know, what's the history of the dog? We need to know that. Not just throw a training, you know, yeah. a training style or, or, you know, training technique at this dog. We've got to go. We've got to get deeper with that. Um, and we just got to find a way to educate people more with that. So yeah. that means I got to get back to every week on this podcast. Yeah. So, well, thanks for joining me today. Of course. It's always I mean, a pleasure. I really hope that it was that it sounds good because um, I had no way I've not been on this program in a while and I have no way of checking my microphone. So thanks for letting me know that one was off. Um, hopefully it sounds good. If it, does, it sounds like shit, then I'll just throw this away and nobody can hear it and, and we'll have to re-record. <laughs> I got nothing else to do. You got CMT, CMA Fest, CMT Fest, CMA yeah, Fest. This week. I was like, I got to go. I got to go. We're going to I know. Smash. I got I to get you off so you can get ready. So thank you for joining me. Um, and I uh, appreciate all you guys hanging in there with me. Seriously, if you need a Zoom consult, now's the damn time to get in because, well, frankly, I need to work, y'all, uh, because I'm bored. So um, holler at me. And uh, Amanda, come back again soon because I know that they love hearing from you as well. And uh, we'll get Dr. North on soon as well. All right. Sounds good. All right. Y'all have a great week.